0: Our second scripture reading comes to us from Daniel chapter 6. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 1,381. 1,381. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, "'May you prosper greatly.'" I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is a living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. These are the words of the one who etched his law in stone. May they bring deliverance to those who are in times of trouble. It was Augustine, bishop of Hippo, who penned these words. The earthly city glorifies in itself the heavenly city glorifies in the Lord. In many ways, Daniel 6 is fitting for the times we are currently living in. You see, when a person becomes a Christian, he or she suddenly becomes a dual citizen. They are citizens of whatever nation that they were born in, yet they have been welcomed into God's kingdom as well. Augustine viewed these two kingdoms as the earthly city and the city of God. For you today, if you are in Christ, you too possess dual citizenship. We, as Christians, we are to pay honor to the kingdoms of this world. Paul tells us in Romans 13 that God is the one who has established these authorities over us. And as we have been studying through the book of Daniel, a similar theme has been continuously repeated throughout. The Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Today, President Trump is in a position of power because the hand of God directed it to be so. And to that end we owe him both our respect and our obedience. Yet we must keep in mind that all earthly kingdoms are run by sinful men. And in varying degrees, all forms of government have been corrupted. As citizens of heaven, we experience an overlapping of these two kingdoms. And the question of sovereignty is a question that needs to be resolved. You see, these two kingdoms are not always in alignment. In the book of Daniel, we are instructed as how we should act as citizens in both worlds. As Christians, our first loyalty belongs to our Heavenly Father. And we must echo the Apostle Peter as we read in our first scripture reading today, when he answered the Sanhedrin with these words, We must obey God rather than men. We see the same mentality in Daniel and his friends. You see, Daniel 6 in many ways resembles Daniel chapter 3, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the blazing furnace. In both, we see a decree from a king being established that contradicts God's law. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told that they must bow down before a false idol or be thrown into the flames. And now in this chapter, Daniel is being asked not to pray to his God or to be thrown into the den of lions. You see, both chapters, they deal with the issue of religious freedom. In the first, we see forced religion. They must bow down. In the second case, we see restricted religion. You cannot pray. Let's dive into our text and see what we can learn. Now, if you recall, the the Persian Empire had defeated the Babylonians And Darius the Mede is now the ruler that God has placed in charge of Babylon. And he had set up 120 satraps to manage the region, with three administrators overseeing them. Daniel was one of those three. Yet we know that God had gifted Daniel with both knowledge and understanding and wisdom And even in his old age, he stood out among the rest. Once again, Daniel is the king's favorite. Darius was about to appoint him to the top position of the land. Basically, he would be the prime minister over Babylon. This upset the other administrators and the other satraps. So they grew jealous. So they met together in order to find a charge against Daniel that they could bring to the king. Let's pick up our story in verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Daniel was a model citizen, and these men, they could not find a charge against him. Yet they understood that Daniel held dual citizenship, and that his supreme loyalty was to his heavenly kingdom. So they concocted a plan to trap Daniel. This is the way the world thinks, is it not? Today we see many trying to trap Christians in their observance of God's laws. We saw this throughout the early church when Rome persecuted the Christians. And we see this today in both communist countries and in Islamic countries, where believers are restricted or even banned from their Christian practices. In our country today, there has been a slow but steady increase in the restrictions of religious liberty. The pressures that Christians face today, though, they're not new. They're no different than the troubles that Daniel had faced. Verse 6. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den." There's a perception in our world today that popular opinion defines what is right. Notice how this group tells the king that that all the administrators and the satraps and the prefects, that they all agreed to this proposal. Of course, Daniel, he had no knowledge of this and would not have agreed. So in one sense, they were deceiving the king. Yet truth be told they had a supermajority. And this sly group of men, they had appealed to the king's ego as well. I mean, who wouldn't want to be worshipped as a god? And to be the only one worshipped for a whole month? Now that's tempting. Outwardly, this group seems to have the king's best interest at heart. They want to honor him. They want to glorify him. This law would strengthen the loyalty of his servants. Yet in verse 8, we see the trap. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. This is a crucial part. They must get this law written down So that it cannot be changed. They knew how much Darius loved Daniel. And they knew that if the king did not have this law written down, he would have just changed his mind. Yet in Persia, not even the king was above the law. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? This man who is to be worshipped as a god did not have the power to change his own laws even if he found them to be in error? This demonstrates to us why obedience to God comes before obedience to men. The law of God comes from God's will. It reflects God's will. Darius' laws reflect Darius' will. But this king, he's not perfect. He's not omniscient like God. He was a sinful man. So as unchangeable as his laws may have been, at times they were prone to error and mistakes. Yet God's laws are also unchangeable. They are set in stone. Yet they are perfect. Even if they seem to bring about penalties that God does not wish to dole out, his laws are perfect and unchangeable. This new decree that was suggested by these political leaders was meant to demonstrate loyalty to the king. So it's ironic that the most loyal subject of all, Daniel, would be the one who would defy his decree. While those who obeyed this law, they did so out of their disloyalty to the throne. Yet, Darius, he wrote down the decree, and Daniel learned about it. How would Daniel respond? Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. The typical custom for a Jew at that time was to stand for public prayer, but in private they would kneel. And a faithful Jew, they would pray three times a day according to the prescription in Psalm 55, verse 17. It reads, Evening, morning, and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Yet for those who were taken captive, they would have prayed in the direction of Jerusalem in the hopes that God would one day restore them, restore the temple and restore his people back to their homeland. Daniel was a faithful Jew. And as we will eventually learn when we get to chapter 9, he was seeking restoration for his people. This new law from the king, did not stop Daniel's faithfulness to Yahweh. He knew this decree. He could have just shut the window and prayed secretly. Yet he chose to continue to pray openly, being a witness for his God. On the other hand, he he could have been blatant in his defiance of the king. He could have gone down to the city square, praying loudly for all to hear, and making a spectacle of the situation, and gaining public sympathy. Yet this was not the way of Daniel. He esteemed the king, and would not cause others to disrespect Darius. Yet his first allegiance was to God, and he would not hide his faith from the public either. So he quietly went about his business, as he had always done. For Daniel, nothing had changed. Well, these administrators and satraps, they they knew of Daniel's practice. And they knew that when, they knew the time when he would be praying. They caught him in the act, and they brought their accusations to the king. They reminded the king that the decree was written law. It could not be repealed. The trap had been set. How would this king respond? Verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. This king loved Daniel. Daniel. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who burned with anger when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to his God, Darius, his heart was torn in two for his servant, because his servant's life was now at risk. Yet he could not back out of this law. Though he searched and searched for a loophole until sundown, there was none to be found. This man, who was worshipped as a god, was now imprisoned by his own decree. The king had to deal out justice. Verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. This punishment is is what is known as a trial by ordeal. In other words, the person's guilt or innocence would be determined by whether or not that person could survive in such a dangerous situation. The theology behind this is that the gods know the hearts of men better than human judges. So if a person could survive, he or she was innocent. And to make sure that nobody tampered with this trial by ordeal, the king and his nobles placed a stone over the opening of the pit, and they sealed it with their signet rings. This way, the king would know if one of his nobles came in the middle of the night to make certain of Daniel's death. And in turn, the nobles would know if the king came in the middle of the night to rescue his servant. In essence, a stone was placed over what everyone thought would be Daniel's tomb. Daniel's fate was sealed. This king, who loved his servant, he could not sleep through the night. And he fasted for his friend. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Daniel survives his trial by ordeal, and is deemed innocent both before God and before the king. And as it was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel was accompanied by another God has sent his angel to shut the jaws of the lions. And just as the three did not feel any effects of the fire, so too Daniel had no wounds upon his body. God's rescue is a complete rescue. Yahweh had mercy upon his servant. You see, it was by God's grace through faith, that Daniel was saved. And this is how God chooses to save all of his people. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There is nothing you can do, to earn your salvation or favor from God. It is his gift to you. It was not Daniel's good works that caused the mouths of the lions to be shut. Rather, God poured out his mercy upon Daniel, giving him faith to believe. But not just faith within the lion's den, for God had given him the conviction beforehand to pray For his people, faithfully, day after day. And in the twist of fate, the one who defied the king's decree was now declared innocent, for his heart was pure. Yet those who stuck to the letter of the law, their hearts were black, and they were found guilty, for they had been disloyal to the king. Verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Salvation does not come to those who put their faith in their own obedience to the law. It only comes to those who put their faith in God to rescue them. And in yet another twist, what starts out as a decree for the sole worship of the king, now turns into a law for all people to fear and revere the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. What men intended for evil, God had purposed for his own glory. So what does this mean for you? How does Daniel instruct you today? In America, you still have quite a bit of religious freedom. The pressures you face come more on a local level than it does from the national stage. It's that teenager whose parents tell him that he cannot attend the local youth group. It's it's the wife who's told by her husband not to bring her Christianity inside the home, or vice versa. It's the one who desires to spread the gospel message, but is told to keep their beliefs to themselves. I mean, religion is a private matter, after all. How are you to respond? Daniel, he honored his king while at the same time being faithful to his God. He did not make a scene or become violent, yet he did not hide his faith either. He trusted in God for his well-being and quietly disobeyed the king's commands. He was a citizen of heaven first. But Daniel's story, it goes beyond instruction for the persecuted. It points us to a greater story and a greater rescue. You see, just as these administrators and satraps conspired against Daniel, so too the religious leaders of Jesus' day plotted against our Lord. And just as Daniel was found blameless, None could bring a charge against Jesus. And just as Daniel was caught while he was praying to his God, Christ too was praying in the garden when Judas had approached with armed men. And Darius, he made every effort until sundown to rescue Daniel. The same could be said of Pilate. Yet neither one could change the verdict. And just as Daniel, he was thrown into the pit of lions and a heavy slab was placed over it, sealing his fate, Christ was laid in a tomb with a stone rolled over the entrance. It, too, had been marked with a seal and guards were posted nearby to make sure none could take the body. When Daniel's stone was rolled away, he came up out of the pit, unharmed. Not a mark was on him. Yet when the stone that covered Christ's tomb was rolled away, Christ rose from the dead with a glorified body, yet he still bore the marks, he still bore the scars that took away your sin. Dear friends, God gave you his law, and it cannot be repealed. You are found guilty and sentenced to the pit. The verdict, it cannot be changed. But Jesus, he took upon himself the guilt that you bear. Christ, though he was innocent, went into the lion's den for you. He went down into the pit, permitting the lions to devour him for your sake. But death Could not hold him. He has arisen victorious and he offers salvation to any who will trust in him. Like Daniel, if you are found having faith, you too will find complete rescue in Jesus. You too will be delivered from the pit without any wounds. For even though God's law cannot be repealed, you have a Savior who took upon himself the penalty that you deserve. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your Son to rescue us from our sins, to rescue us from the pit of lions. We ask now that you would fill us with your spirit, producing in us a faith like Daniel's, that we would be citizens of your kingdom first. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your hymnals to hymn number 199. Arise, my soul, arise. Hymn number 199.